0: Welcome to the Fairview Church podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing in honor reading God's Word, I want to just encourage us with the truth that Jesus, the King, who we just sang about, is here. The reason I know He's here is because the Bible tells us that He is. He's here with us. And the only reason that I am standing here is because of His authority and His calling to speak His words. Now, we talked about Jesus being the King. If a high-ranking officer walks into a group of soldiers, what do they do? They stand. Why? Out of respect, out of honor. And this is why we stand for the reading of God's word. Because I'm just a broken man. I'm replaceable in a whole lot of ways. But in this moment, Jesus speaks to us through his word. And so we stand in honor of that to receive what he has to say under his authority. And so we are reading this morning from Colossians 1. I'd invite you to read along with me beginning in verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit In every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We are going through a short sermon series called Summer of impact and specifically we are in a period of 21 days three weeks uh, of impact and that means two things we talk about impact to you and impact through you so from the impact to you standpoint every day we're sending you content a lot of them are devotionals I've written looking at psalm 23 Uh, other staff members have written some content and scriptures and so if you haven't signed up for that it's not too late to be part of that Uh, But then we're also looking for uh, opportunities for impact through you. And so we have service projects that began last week. We have more this week as well as in the weeks to come or or I guess the following week. And these are ministries who we partner with in our community and just encouraging you to be part of the work that they are doing to operate as those who are servants in the sphere of impact of our community. And so just want to encourage you again to check those out. But as we are focusing on this summer of impact, the opportunity that God has given us to make an impact uh, for his kingdom, we're looking at some passages of scripture that point us to that. And so this morning, this passage, which comes from a prayer that Paul gives in his letter to the Colossian church. As we get started, I think it's important to know that there are certain patterns that we're going to find all throughout the Bible. And you see some of these patterns consistently. And what Paul is doing in his prayer is he is taking a pattern that goes from the very beginning of the Old Testament the Hebrew Scriptures all the way through. And it is a pattern that you're going to see over and over. And and I'll kind of describe it and you, you can think of different examples of how it comes about. The idea is that God wants to do a work for his purposes on earth. And so what he does is he calls a man, and that individual will usually go up onto a mountain. Why a mountain? Well, it's this place between heaven and earth, right? That's what we see in the scriptures. And so he receives a heavenly vision, a heavenly revelation. And what does he then do? Well, he goes down the mountain, and he gives it to the people of God. And the idea is the people of God are to act it out, you should, you could say. They are to take this heavenly image, whatever that is, and reproduce it on earth. And so this is a pattern that we see over and over throughout the scriptures. And this is a pattern that Paul is going to walk us through. And there are some words in this passage that help us uh, key into that. So first we're going to see... This call of beholding the kingdom. Beholding the kingdom. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. These are three words that are used together throughout the scriptures. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Let's go one more time together. Knowledge wisdom understanding awesome so we see that these are words that are used for a good king so a king who is going to rule the people that God has called him to rule well is going to have to have these characteristics specifically we're going to find that the messiah this promised king who is going to come in Isaiah chapter 11 is going to have these so Isaiah 11 verse 2 the spirit of the lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom And of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. So obviously there are other things listed, but those are these three primary characteristics. So the spirit of God, when it comes upon the person, ultimately the anointing of the Lord to be the Messiah, it's going to have these elements. And what Isaiah's letter is going to show is that this Messiah is going to take this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding and use it to bring about God's purpose, his righteousness, his justice, right? His purposes on earth through the people he rules over. Now, that's a context that we see this consistently, but actually these three words and this principle, this pattern is found even before that. It's found in the Exodus regarding the building of the tabernacle or the tent where the presence of God dwelled. So we find this in Exodus 31, beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. So we see how we just saw that in Isaiah With wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge. So these three words that come with the spirit of God. And with all kinds of skills. Now this is interesting. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. To cut and set stones. To work in wood. And to engage in all kinds of crafts. So the spirit of the Lord brings this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to this man. And we also see the gift of what? Skills. What kind of skills? Nunchuck skills. Artistic. artistic skills. Sorry, that just came to my mind. The, the ability to create these artistic designs in the tabernacle. Now, what we find is that the designs, the, the creative design, the artistic design that the Spirit of God gives this individual is not just to do an art project. We have some incredible artists in the church. And last week at VBS, we kind of highlighted some of these gifts. But it's not just that you go in and kind of make a work of art. There is a specific pattern that's given. And Basil, so if any any pregnant ladies, you know, it's an option to consider. Uh, He has something that's given to him that is a blueprint. It's a design that comes from heaven. And this design is given, we see this through Moses, and it is a design of how the tabernacle is to be made. And that we find in Hebrews comes from somewhere. It's ultimately from the tabernacle, the sanctuary, where? In heaven. So Hebrews 8. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow. So what was created on earth is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. So what is in heaven? Right? The heavenly sanctuary. The, the real, the, the OG uh, tabernacle. Right? The original. And... And that is what is copied on earth. This is why what Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on where? On the mountain. So this is a heavenly vision that God has given of specific detail of the tabernacle. He gives it to Moses. This vision comes down from the mountain to Basilel and he's gifted by the spirit to take this heavenly vision and make it an earthly reality. Does that make sense? So this this blueprint, if you will, is empowered to become a reality on earth. And this is where Paul is bringing in these three words that God, by his spirit, gives this knowledge and this wisdom and this understanding for the purposes of, of taking a heavenly reality and making it come to earth. Now, specifically, this is, and and Paul, this is all this massive, even beyond the verses that we're studying, run-on sentence in Greek. So Paul just makes this massive, uh, so Tony, you would have given this an F in your English class, probably. But this massive run-on sentence, and there's all these things that are going, and it's going to lead to this incredible Colossians 15, passage about Jesus. I mean, this masterful declaration of the greatness of Christ. But here's, so you're gonna have to trust me on this because I'm not going to walk you through all of that. But what happened with Jesus is instead of a vision coming down from heaven to a man who delivered it to people on earth, the heavenly reality came to earth. Does that make sense? The actual, real, heavenly reality. Ultimately, king and kingdom came down to earth. And so what we saw on earth, it used to be a mystery. And we see this all over the Bible. There's these mysterious realities that aren't revealed. And, and when people come into the sanctuary, they get kind of these revelations. But now, guess what? All of that's revealed. That's what, and he's telling the Colossians, you don't have to go out and do all these crazy things to try to drum up this mysterious knowledge and all of this insight. You just look to Christ He is the revelation of all of the wisdom, all of the mystery, everything that's the heavenly reality has become an earthly body. It's become personified in Jesus. And so he now is what we look to. So when we want to know, what is God's purpose for us? What is God's plan, right? Even for for all of creation, we look where? We look to Jesus we look to Jesus, we know Jesus, we are in awe of Jesus and who he is and what he teaches and how he calls us to live. That's where we go, that's the revelation. It says, hey, in the past, you know, in those Hebrew scriptures, God kind of spoke in different ways, but now in fullness, he's spoken, he's given this full reality of who he is and who you've called, he's called us to be in his son. So we look to him. Secondly, bringing the kingdom, bringing the kingdom. So uh, Jim Bradford was in the last service. I don't know if you all know Jim. Jim builds houses and all kinds of things, furniture. And Jim, most recently, I think this week, is, is finishing a tree house that he's building. And so he lists these where people can come and stay in them. And, uh, and Jim has all of this artistic ability and then he brings it into reality. But what happens if it just stays in his head? Right, what is that? It doesn't do any good, right? I mean, it's a creative thought. How many of y'all have built a project that you've had a blueprint for? We have any builders or developers? Right, so you take that blueprint and you make it into a reality. And that takes a lot of what? Work, Right. A lot of smashing fingers and, you know, all kinds of things. It takes a lot of work to actually bring this into reality. But that ultimately is the, is the blueprint, the purpose, this beautiful drawing. No, right? That's to be embodied. It's to be developed. It's to be built. And this is what he's saying. This actually, this, this vision that's given to us is to become a reality. So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit, In every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. And so here's where our lives, our bodies, are to become a place where this this vision of God that we see in Christ, of his will and his purposes, is to be enacted. And everything that we do is to be because of the worth of who? Who? Jesus. And this is really important. I have to remind myself, I am not up here to impress you all. Right? I am not up here to make you think the sermon is good or bad, ultimately. Ultimately, why am I up here? Why do I study? Why do I do the things that I do? Because Jesus is worth it, right? He is worthy. Of my work, he is worthy of this devotion. He's and if anything other than the worth of Jesus drives you, what's going to happen? You're going to run out of gas, right? That's why the Bible says, "Do everything as unto the Lord." That's everything. So all that we do, we are doing it as unto the Lord. The worth of Christ is what drives us to live this out and so he's calling us to this life that is this is expression of of his purposes that's pleasing to him that is worthy of his calling filled with the and and so he has talked about being filled with the knowledge of his will and that is hang with me for a second going to, through some verses, ultimately become growing in the knowledge of God. So knowledge of his will is going to become knowledge of God. How does that happen? How does knowledge of his will become knowledge of God himself? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. By bearing fruit in every good work. Right? And this is, this is where... Again, the blueprint becomes a reality where the seed that's planted is birthed and blooms out into fruit. There's action, there's expression that is tangible, that's visible, and we join in this work of God. And it is through this that we come to know God, right? So we think about the verse that we looked at last week, Ephesians 2.10. So if you were in VBS, let's try this together. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Give yourselves a hand. Good work for the kids who are in the room. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That's the For good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So why were you saved? Why were you created into a new creation in Christ Jesus? To go to heaven when you die. Is that it? Why? To to do it, to do the stuff, right? That's it, that's it's... To do these good, that God's, and, and he's a loving father who has laid this out for our good. It's not like God's up there going, I just cannot get this stuff done. I'm really hoping Brant comes through for me. No, right? This is an invitation to join in his work. And when you do that, so here's what I want us to see. If, if we were to be able to pull back the realm, so the, the scripture talks about the seen realm and the what? The unseen. And we see these moments in time when that gets pulled back. If there was a way that you could have this veil pulled back and you could see into the unseen realm, you would see God doing things. You would see things happening that that may not even ultimately become a reality for decades. Does it make sense? There's things. Anyway, but we don't get to live with that reality. We we live in the scene, but there is Ultimately, this invitation, God is working around you. That's what the scriptures would tell us. God is not distant. He's not a watchmaker. He doesn't wind this thing up and let it go. He's working, right? He, he's working in all kinds of ways. He's working when you see seasons change, right? He's working when you see the, some of the, the smallest realities, right, that are, that are taking place. He's, he's at work in all these ways, but he's working specifically to bring about his purposes in people. And anyway, but that's, he invites us into that perp, that work. That makes sense? He invites us into that work. And when you work with someone, you get to know them. So yesterday, uh, Tony and Matt, who were in the first service and I, we got to work on a project here in the neighborhood and uh, replacing some boards and putting up gutters and uh, doing some different things. And I didn't know Matt. I know Tony Jones pretty well. I didn't know Matt that well. But guess what? At the end of that day of working together, guess what? I knew him, right? And so Wiley, I mean, like going on a, on a, on a mission serve trip. or whatever, like You get to know people, right? You, you, you go and you work with somebody. You're part of something and you get to know them. And, and this, is how, this is how I think we're, we're presented this up as we join God in his work in the world. Right, right around us, we get to actually know him. And also, so when his work is oriented around loving other people, Jesus summarizes everything, love one another as I have loved you. So we're joining in that purpose, and we're trying to love and care for broken people. Guess what we get to know? What it's like for God to love us, Right? Oh, my, like this person is so, and God says, yeah, you're like that too. Oh, man. We get to know him by by being an expression of his work and joining in these purposes in a way that is unique. And that's what our father wants. He wants us to come to know him. John 17, three, the one time in the scripture that we explicitly get a definition of what eternal life is. John 17, three, Jesus says, this is eternal life that they may, Know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Does that happen after we die? No. When does that happen? Now, right? Eternal life begins now of knowing God and growing in this interactive relationship with Him, joining Him in His purposes. Third and finally, believing in the King. Believing in the King. I do not want this to be a pull you up by your own pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, and also a guilt trip, <laughs> where when people whenever people ask you to do something, you feel like you have to do it. If you've ever been there, what is that kind of like? Like exhausting. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. It's or, it is exhausting. It's miserable. It's, it's a life that ultimately is trying to do things in your own ability, your own power, your own strength out of shame, out of guilt, out of obligation. And that is called the self-life. That's the flesh, right? And that's not what we're called to. Does that make sense? So that's not what I'm saying here. What I am saying though is that God gives you this invitation To be strengthened with his power To be strengthened with all power According to his glorious might Now this is a life That calls us To step outside of our, of our own comfort zone and, and John Piper has this message And I think it's a, in his book Don't Waste Your Life And he talks about how often we think of prayer As an intercom system for the butler You guys ever heard this? He says, often we think of prayer like a rich person who has an intercom and they got to call the butler to come bring them more pillows, (laughs) right? He says, often that's kind of how, it's like, you know, we're comfortable, uh, we're ease. And so we want God to kind of fill in the extra comfort level details. Uh, And and it's fascinating. C.S. Lewis writes this letter to his sister and he says, please desperately pray for me because I am at ease things are going so well for me, both outwardly and inwardly, right? And I'm terrified. Why would Lewis be terrified? Because things were going so well and he was so at ease. He knew how dangerous it is to be comfortable, to be at ease spiritually, right? To just be put to sleep. And he writes about this in his books. Like it's always this comfort. It's always this sleep, the spell of ease. And it's, but it's, but it's that Ultimately that God has called us from And so Piper says that instead prayer is like a wartime walkie-talkie It's this I need desperately reinforcements Right I'm in over my head I can't do this on my own God I'm asking you to come through And that's real dependency And that's this real sense of of dependence on God And that requires us to step out of just the things that are easy for us to do on our own Does it make sense? That's, a, that's a, a life with God. In, in Psalm 23, that's a life with God as our shepherd. God, God is with us. He's shepherding us. He's protecting us. He's providing for us. And we need it. We, we, we understand how completely helpless, I am hopeless without the spirit of God. Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers build in vain or toil in vain. We understand that. And that, and that sense of dependency and that kind of life that goes along with that is what actually allows this intimacy, this interconnectedness, this interactive relationship with God, knowing God to come about. And this is this dependence on his strength so that you may have great endurance and patience. So this, if you've ever had somebody who's like, man, the spirit of God, I was at this service. or I was at this event, at this conference, and the spirit of God was just poured out, right? And there's times when those things happen typically what are they going to describe as the expression of the outpouring of the Spirit of God? Is it patience and endurance? I was so patient with my kids this week. The Spirit of God was outpoured in such a way that even though my coworker didn't do anything they were supposed to do. Ignore me, man. I just had the strength to endure it and to not fall into bitterness and anger. Is that how we think? Is that what we think is the evidence of the outpour? No, but that's what he's saying. He's saying this incredible provision of the Spirit of God being outpoured in power is so that I can be patient and endure right difficulty. Now, that's real life. <laughs> If we're actually going to follow the teachings of Jesus, right? If he actually is our king and he gives us his orders and the way that he tells us to live, and we're trying to live like that, it's going to require patience. It's going to require endurance. And ultimately, it is going to require confidence in God's ability to bring about his purposes. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. This is this ultimate sense. Inheritance in the Old Testament, the inheritance was tied to what? The land, the promised land, right? When we think about the kingdom of God and how these things kind of operated, it was, it was, it was the land and the provision of land. But what we find in the new covenant is the inheritance That has been given to those who are in Christ Those who are saints Those who have sanctuary access to God Right Is what It's the earth right This renewed restored earth The kingdom of God When it's established in full One day will come And that's, that's where our inheritance is And let me ask you Can anything take that from us is there anything Can the United States government Take that from us No Right It is something that is secure And Paul's going to drive this home There's this confidence that we have That the that, that inheritance The promises The purposes of God That God will work all things together For those who love him And are called according to his purposes That Jesus as king Is going to return And that ultimately do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That that is how the world, that's how the universe works. That good overcomes evil. That light overcomes darkness. And so it gives us this hopefulness in all circumstances. When we feel like, man, this is just hopeless. This is going nowhere, right? In the scene. Ultimately, we remember the cross. And this is where I think the Lord's Supper, I'm not taking the Lord's Supper right now, but I think it's so helpful in grounding us in this reality. It grounds us in a narrative. It grounds us in a structure of how the universe actually works. Because it tells us that while ultimately things went from a garden into a grave, it appeared as though the grave had won. It appeared as though the power of death and darkness had overcome the one who was the light and the life, the king. And yet, ultimately, in the midst of that apparent hopelessness, impossibility, that Jesus rose from the dead. That light conquered the darkness. That life conquered death. And we now walk from a grave to a garden. That that's the scope. That's the shape of the universe. And so what we profess when we take the supper. As Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ will come again. To make all things new and all things right. And so in the meantime, guess what we have? Security and confidence. He's going to bring about his plans. It's not up to us, but... We are invited to be these active parts of it, to bring about his purposes, his kingdom, to see his kingdom come and his will be done. In Lebanon, Tennessee, in my body, <laughs> as it is in heaven. Along with this, I want to, and, and the band's going to come up, we're going to respond. There's a hymn that I think is is helpful, and the version of it I know uh, is I think by Michael W. Smith, once upon a time. He says, this is my father's world. Anybody know me? This is my father's world. This is my father's world. And let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, he is the ruler yet. Is that true? God's still king. It is still my father's world. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one, right? That's the promise of the kingdom, that this is what's happening, that heaven and earth will be one, that Jesus who died will be satisfied. He will be crowned king of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The final enemy to be overcome is death and he will hand the kingdom to his father. And this is where we're headed, right? So we're invited in the meantime to join the work of the kingdom. We fight for a winning king. Father, we thank you that you have invited us into the joy of being your servants on earth, that you have allowed us as your church to be the hands and feet of Christ. And we remember what those hands and feet did when you walked on earth, the way you loved, the way you healed, the way you served, the way you brought righteousness and justice and peace and you spoke truth. So Lord, we desire to be empowered by your spirit to do the works you've called us to do. You know, you said that even greater things will be done by your spirit working through us collectively. So we desire to be your church. And we pray that your kingdom will come here into our community, that your will will be done. And so Lord, give us the vision of Jesus and his worth and his glory that's so crystal clear. Allow us to see the greatness and the glory of Christ that's so much better, so much greater, so much more worthy than anything else that we get distracted by. To see clearly the the greatness and the worth of Christ that, that leads us to offer our lives and our time, resources, all that we have to raising up and bringing glory to the name of Jesus through serving him in this time. And so, Lord, we're just, we're asking your spirit to work. We're asking that you would bring hearts that are dead and cold to life. Would your spirit work through situations that just seem hopeless and impossible to bring about hope and life? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As we respond, the prayer room is gonna be open. If there's anything that you need prayer for, or anything you want to talk about, we would invite you to come as we respond in song. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.